Hi, uh, Elijah here again. Uh, today I want to do something different. I just recently came across uh, on my uh, WhatsApp uh, Freedom Forum page a video. And uh, in it, uh, a woman called Sarah Connor, she's giving a testimony. Now, I'd never heard of this woman before, uh, but uh, she's a, a pastor and a pastor's wife, and she is the daughter of um, one of Bob Marley's road managers back in the day. Now she's in a different situation, a different frame of mind, a different kingdom, and uh, the video is giving her testimony. I, I suggest you check it out on, on YouTube and any other, uh, any other matters relating to, to this sister. But right now I'm going to let uh, this uh, broadcast on TBN um, take over and let, uh, let Sarah give her own story, okay? Sarah Connery, we've talked. You are a bold, <laughs> yes. not afraid to ask. That's Go cool. get them, girl. Now, you and your husband. Yes. You pastor Word, Word, of, Word Truth, of Truth Family Church in Arlington, Texas. Yes, yes, yes. Um, yeah, I really like how this uh, conversation is going because there are all these bold and fearless and purpose-filled <laughs> women. Use your you know? voice. Yeah. Yes. Voice. Ladies, use your voice. Use your voice. Don't yell at your husband. <laughs> Just shoot your Sometimes voice. you have to yell at your husband. <laughs> <laughs> but you're from Jamaica. I you're am from, from Jamaica. You, you came to this country. Tell us a little bit about your story because I think it's fascinating. Well, we'll just see if we can just stay to a time period of the story because there's so many elements of it. But I, um, to make a long story short, I um, was raised in a Rastafarian home in Jamaica. And my dad was the road manager for Bob Marley. And we didn't grow up in a God-conscious environment at all. So what we had was my parents were in music. And then eventually my mom, they divorced. And my mom got on crack. And she was on crack for 15 years. Mm. Oh. She was missing out of our lives um, a lot of times. And so during that period of her missing and my dad being gone for music and things like that, then I've, I've been sexually abused and different things like that. And... And um, so finally, having to raise ourselves in a, in a little bit, of, in, in a way, we, at 13, by the time I was 13, I already had been doing everything that grown people were doing. I mean, it, I didn't have any parenting or consistent parenting. I had parents, but they weren't consistently present. And so what happened is, um, you know, one day I wanted to go to this party about two hours away uh, from my home at 13 years old, and my dad said no. And I said to him, well... I don't have to stay here because I'm already running this family. I'm already taking care of all these people, all these kids. So I'm gone. I'm out of here. So I ran away from home. And when I ran away from home, I went to the party and almost got uh, gang raped at the party. <laughs> well, not at the party, but the event type thing. And I thought, what am I doing? And it was, looking back, there was a girl that was in my high school that was older than me that was influencing me. And she was whispering in my ear and telling me, you don't need your parents. You, you know, you did this on your own. Look what you do. And you don't need them. And so I kind of heeded to her advice and her wisdom and ran away. So my mom phoned me eventually a couple of weeks later, and I went to live with her. 
And so when I lived with her right across the street was this um, annoying teenage Christian girl. <laughs> and um, she would just come over every day, I promise you. It seemed like it was every day, at least every week, and invite me to church. And I said to her, I don't do church. I'm a Rastafarian girl. I go to a Jewish private school. I'm attending a public Anglican high school right now, and I have a Catholic mother who believes in Chinese mythology. So I don't do church. Well-rounded. That's what I don't do. I don't understand the church or anything about it. So I'm not going. And furthermore, I was like Paul the Apostle. I persecuted all the Christians at my high school. I just gave them the hardest time. So I was thinking, I can't go to church where like the teenagers, they'll know it's me. And here comes Paul, you know. I didn't know it was Paul at the time because I didn't know anything about the, the Bible at the time. But anyway, so what happened was she invited me and kept pestering me and kind of thing. And I said, okay, you know what, I'm going to go. Because she said, what do you have to lose? I said, you know, nothing because I'm like the coolest thing anyway, so I'll just go. So, <laughs> so I went and I sat in the very back of the church in the dark as far to the closest to the door because I didn't know what was going to happen. I'd never been into a church before. I had no idea what to expect. So I'm in the church. I'm back there. I barred her clothes for church because I didn't have any church clothes. I had other clothes, but not church clothes. And um, I sat there. And while I sat there, the youth speaker, his name was Andrew Keane, and this was Church in the Rock in Jamaica. And this was like in the 80s. And he said, um, for God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And he just looked out there. I know he couldn't see me because I was in the dark, like way up in the dark. And he said, it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you've been. You are that whosoever. And God loves you. And I'm telling you, I have no idea what happened between that moment and the moment I opened my eyes. But I was at the altar and his wife, Daddy, was praying for me, and she was leading me to the Lord. So I had no idea what had happened. I didn't know what that meant. I just said the prayer and left to go to a party. That was my habit. <laughs> and so when I went to the party, um, you know, I had my friend pick me up. I took off the church clothes and, you know, put on my little party clothes and everything. And then I thought, what's wrong with these weird people? They're all looking weird. They're smoking, they're drinking, they're carrying on. And I'm thinking something's wrong with them. But they're all my friends. <laughs> so, so I told my best friend, I said, oh, no, I've got to go. Something's wrong here. This is, this is not feeling right. Something's wrong. And I had to find out from the church, what did they do to me? <laughs> because something happened. But I didn't, I didn't have words for it. I was thinking something's wrong because I don't smoke. I didn't have no desire for any of that stuff. It was like an instant change for me. But I didn't know what had happened because I didn't feel any mystical, you know, fairy dust fall over me or, or anything like that, right? So I had to call and find out what happened. And so they said, you got born again. And they had to explain to me what happened when I got born again. So after I got born again, I was the first person in my family to get born again. Mm -hmm. And then I just went on a rampage. I just started leading anybody and everybody to the Lord at school, everywhere. And, you know, my mom, um, eventually she, she uh, came back into her life. She was in and out of our lives. And when I was about maybe 18, she, um, we... Well, we had this love-hate relationship, but right before that, I had asked my cell group leaders, because now I know I'm a Christian, you know, I'm in the church now, I kind of got my thing going and started joining a cell group, you know, a small group. And my cell group leader was so important and so, um, such a mother to me that I asked my dad, could I go and live with her? Mm -hmm. 
And then I asked, could my sister live with you? And could my brother live with you? <laughs> we don't have no parents that are consistently there. Can we have like a parent, just a family, somebody stable? Because, you know, I mean, we'd have great times of um, wealth because, again, we were in the music business. And then we'd have great times of struggle because my parents were gone for six, seven, eight months of the, out of the year. So I would steal food from the Walmart or do whatever I had to do or hope my friend would ask me to stay over. But, you know, by this time, I was really rooted my faith and I went and stayed with her. And it's so funny. She would wake me up. I promise you this, Lori. Her name is Yvonne Moore. She would wake me up 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock in the morning and have TBN on. I promise you. Mm. And she would say, you need to watch this. And I would say, why am I the only kid? You're waking up at 2 o'clock in the morning. And she said, well, they're praying right now and you're a prayer warrior and you need to pray. And she, we would watch TBN all the way back there. I was the only teenager in the house watching it. In but Jamaica. In Jamaica. That's right. Oh, Absolutely. Stony Hill, Jamaica. Right. It was fantastic. And so my mom, I was living there when my, I, I didn't really know she was on drugs. Uh, my brother knew. And then we got a, a, a call from him. Well, he came up and he said, hey, mommy's in the hospital. She overdosed. And she thought there were some bubbles going to her heart. So she took a pair of scissors and tried to cut them out. Oh. And in doing that, she collapsed. And so I went to her and I said, you know, I can't do this anymore. I said, I have all these siblings. I have everybody on me. And I'm just not, I can't do this with you anymore. This drug in and out. I don't know who you are. Your name is in the paper. It's out the paper. I don't, I can't do it anymore. So if you don't go and see my pastor, it's, I'm done. I'm done. And she said, well, you're a Christian. I said, I'll be a Christian from afar for you, but I'm done with you. <laughs> and so um, she said she would go in and I asked my cell group leader. Would you, can my mom come and live with you? <laughs> and she was like, you know, your mom is on drugs. I said, yeah, but can't she come live with you? And then I said, she can cook. She can cook. She can cook. And so she came and lived with her. And she, we went to my pastor. And staying with my pastor, um, answering questions, he said to me, Sarah, would you like to lead your mom in the prayer of salvation? Mm-hmm. And I said, absolutely. And so I led her into the uh, prayer of salvation. And that was a big prayer answered for me. Two years later... Right at two, two years, she had began leading other people who were in, um, in the drug lifestyle out of drugs. But two years later, I'm in Baba College at Christ for the Nations in Jamaica, and I am there, and one morning, they call me up and they say, sorry, you need to get to the office right now, and it's about maybe 8.30 in the morning, and he, uh, all these people are in the room, and there are like six or seven of them, I'm thinking, oh my goodness, oh wow, what happened? And he said, well, you know, one's at the door, and he said, I just want to let you know, your mom was stabbed to death this morning in a double homicide. And I just freaked out. And I thought, no way, no way. I, we, we just like, started liking each other, you know, and we just started repairing this thing. And, and so she passed and, um, and she died. And I had to um, identify the body and do just all these weird things with that, which just, I was not emotionally ready for that. But when I tell you, the woman at the Bible college and the people at the Bible college, they just started to come forward and support. And then my church, they, the woman started coming forward and supporting. And I always felt at that point, I couldn't sleep facing the door anymore, you know, back with my back to the door because I just kept the spirit of fear came over me that something was going to, you know, come and take me. And if they could find me there, then surely, you know, um, you know, I was in danger. And it ended up happening that I had to lean on the woman in my church mm-hmm. to mother me 
to mentor me because you never, you never lack that need for relationship. You never lack that need for mentorship. And the Bible encourages us in Titus that the older woman should, you know, help the younger woman. And I find that nowadays we just want to do everything on our own, but we cannot do everything on our own. When I came here to the States in 1994, I, the streets were so wide. I was thinking, why are you driving on the wrong side of the street? <laughs> I went into the grocery and all the li- there was a whole line, a whole thing of cereal, just left and right. That freaked me out. <laughs> you know, I married a guy from Texas, had no idea how to cook Southern food. So I had to go to the church and say, hey, who is the best person who makes greens in this camp? <laughs> yeah, who can do cornbread? Right? Who has a child who plays soccer? How do you pack the bag? What goes in the diaper bag? How do you do? I had to go to the woman in my church, and I've tried to maintain um, strong, godly friendships and relationships. Um, I always haven't made the right choices, but I'm so glad for the local church, and I'm so glad for people good, like Victoria, that's a, that's a good like Lori. Thank you so much for having me here and for, you know, being such a mentors in our lives for so many millions of people's lives. Yes, that is... You know, if it wasn't for people showing up, showing up, showing up. using what they had to help you, mm-hmm. you yes. know what? And it's, it's interesting because I admire you that you would even ask. Yeah. Because there's a lot of people that won't ask yes. because they feel like they should know or they're too proud to ask. And yeah. you know what? Sometimes, you know, we just need to, maybe we need to ask them, yeah. you know? So if, you know, if you're out there today, you've got something to give someone. You may have, you may be like Jan and you have a business in your heart. Or you may be a mother to someone, a mentor to someone. But you know what? It's all of us working together, using what we have that elevates the church on the earth yes. and, and brings about the kingdom of God. And I love strong and courageous women because both of you have amazing stories. And both of you were courageous in your own way. And, and you know what? That's just, that just takes courage to go out there. It's not like you're not afraid. That's not what courage is about. Mm-hmm. Courage is about getting out there doing it when you don't know, yeah. when you are afraid. You know, so that, that's what's so beautiful. You know, Hebrews 11 says it, like this, um, it says that Noah, when he was building the ark, he did it afraid. Yeah. He said, though he was um, in fear, he still moved forward. Mm-hmm. And I, I just want to encourage anybody who is watching today, it doesn't matter how many times you, you've been hit down. It doesn't matter what your story is. Your may, story may not be like mine where your mom was on drugs or anything like that happened to you. But I can tell you that God is a present help in time of trouble. Oh, yes, yes. And I can tell you that he will redeem the time that you've lost. And he will restore whatever's been broken inside of you. And he will cause you to rise up beyond your ashes. And he can take whatever you're dealing with and use it for his glory. Exactly. I'm just God. telling you right now in this moment, I don't know where you are. But I do know that God is wherever you are. And he can be omniscient and a present. And I just want to let you know, you can bloom even when it's dark. Even when it's dark, God is always there. Why don't you just pray for him? Let's pray. Father, we just thank you right now for everyone who is watching this program. And I thank you, God, that 
through nature you've shown us triumph that a cactus can bloom in the middle of desert and the you know the violet can bloom in the dark and the may may flower from china can bloom in the snow god that's who you are to us you can cause us to triumph in every situation that neither height nor depth nor angels nor demons nor things to come nor things under the earth nor things past or things present nothing will separate us from your love and because you love us god i thank you lord that you're reaching through these airwaves right now and you're comforting and you're strengthening and you're building and you're grooming and you're developing and you are that present help and i thank you god for your blanket of love showering and covering and protecting and reaching every person where they are you know us best you know in our deepest hearts of hearts what we need and i thank you god that you are a father and you're a good good father yes, you that you are doing what you do best god you are loving us back to ourselves and you are loving us to a better place in jesus name amen, amen. You know what? You weren't raised in a church, but you found your faith you know, in a church. You know, back when we had a marijuana plant. Say that one we, more we time. We grew our own weed. So we were not in the church. It was before it was legal <laughs> in Colorado. <laughs> it was legal everywhere. Now, isn't that something? That's what I call a testimony. Now, not everyone has to go through that kind of a trauma uh, to to show just how good uh, father can be. Um, your story is different. My story is different, but but Sarah's uh, is very inspiring. It shows that uh, it reminds me of of, of Psalm twenty three. Though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil for you are with me. And uh I can attest to that myself. Uh, I'll tell you my testimony another time of when I went through a situation where I was faced with 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 death. Um back in Jamaica actually just 3 4 years ago. But that's for another time. For now think on on the Sarah Connors uh testimony. and uh whatever the holy spirit is saying to you from that just let it seep into your spirit get into your heart and mind and inspire you to worship and praise the holy one of israel and be obedient to his will in your life